Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. They're all shadows. They all point to the person of Jesus Christ. The Sabbath, a Sabbath rest, to rest from your works, points to us resting from our works for our salvation. Jesus fulfilled it. And we enter into Christ, and as such, we enter into that Sabbath rest. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Colossians. Pastor J.D. discusses today how so many traditions of the Old Testament are no longer necessary because they were satisfied when Jesus died on the cross. The Sabbath and celebratory feasts merely pointed to the rest and joy that can now be found in Christ. Don't settle for a shadow when you can have the real thing. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Colossians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. We left off last week in verse 15, and we will go through to the end of the chapter in verse 23. Beginning in verse 16, the Apostle Paul is writing, and by the Holy Spirit says, verse 16, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not, verse 18, let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died, verse 20, with Christ, to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. I want to talk with you today about the touchy topic of legalism, and specifically how legalism breeds pride 
in the life of a believer, and as such brings damage to the life of a church. Such was the case with the Colossian church, because there were those there at that time, it seems, that were imposing certain legalistic requirements on the believers. And what was so insidious about it was the motivation behind it. The motivation behind it was that they fancied themselves as being superior to and more spiritual than those who didn't observe these religious festivals or specific dietary restrictions. If you were to ask me, and I hope this doesn't come off as being too sensational, but if you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most dangerous and destructive dynamics in the life of a Christian, and certainly in the life of a church, this would be it. This is something that I wish early on in my Christian life I knew and understood. I was plagued by this legalism that I was brought up in. And the problem is, is that legalism is alive and well in the church today. I mean, it's not necessarily the same exact issues that they were facing in that day, but it's been repackaged in our modern day. And the problem is, it's still as dangerous now as it was then. I would even argue perhaps more so. And here's why. Legalism takes the focus off of Jesus and what Jesus did for me, and shifts my focus now instead onto a list of do's and don'ts. So now my Christianity is riddled by legalism. Don't do this. Don't do that. You can do this. You can't go to that movie. You can't listen to that music. That's what legalism does living under the crushing weight of legalism, has no place in the life of a Christian. This is why Paul in verses 21 and 22 says, we're no longer to submit to the rules of do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, do not, do not, do not. Wouldn't you agree that when you're talking with someone about the Lord, sharing with them, one of the things that always comes up in the conversation is, as a Christian, there are things that you cannot do. There are things you can do and cannot do. And isn't it true that the non-believer thinks that the Christian life is boring? Are you kidding me? I came to Christ 37 years ago. I had no idea what I was in store for. I was hanging on for dear life, all my life, having the time of my life, (laughs) and I have for the last 37 years. The Christian life is not relegated to a list of rules, a list of do nots, a list of do's. And Paul explains the reason why, saying that they were only shadows. This is interesting. Stay with me on this. They were only shadows of the things that were to come, 
and the reality is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Bear with me. This is not in my notes. So, okay. So, okay. Can you see my shadow from the lights? How about this? You uh, come home, it's a nice, bright, sunny Hawaii day, and you walk up to the front door, and your family comes out to greet you, and they just, they go down to the ground, and they start hugging your shadow. You'll forgive the silliness of the illustration, but I think you get the point. That's just the shadow. The substance is me. And that's what Jesus is saying. I'm that which the shadow points to. Here you're looking at these feasts, these celebrations, these Sabbath festivals. They are only the shadows. They point to me. I'm the reality of that shadow. When was the last time? You know how it is when you are out and about, and you walk in front of a storefront, and the windows are such that you can see your reflection in the windows. Don't look at me like that. I know you do this, okay? So you walk by, and you're, you're kind of checking yourself out, sucking it in, you know, just, you know. Why? Because you, you care about what you look like. Well, do you care about what your shadow looks like? Could you imagine walking down that same sidewalk, and here's your reflection, and you're looking at the reflection. How's my shadow look? Again, I know it's a silly way to illustrate it, but I think you get the point. That's what the Sabbath was, merely a shadow. The reality is Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. I hope you don't mind if I kind of focus in and spend our time on just this one shadow called the Sabbath. And the reason is, well, first of all, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist growing up, which was part of the reason why I (laughs) knew a thing or two about legalism. But when I came to Christ at age 19, I began to really understand what the purpose of all of those things were. Those feasts, they point to the person of Jesus Christ. The Sabbath, it points to the person of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus Christ. He's the reality. So I want to just talk a little bit about this matter of worshiping on the Jewish Sabbath, which has been the source of confusion for many a Christian today. We actually did an in-depth study of this. Ironically enough, it was when we were renting the Seventh-day Adventist church. And when we were in the book of Exodus and going through a study of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11, we did an in-depth study on the fourth commandment. You can actually go to our website and find the archived teaching there on the archive page. Suffice it to say, as it relates to our text today, the Sabbath rest was a shadow pointing to Jesus, listen, fulfilling the Sabbath such that we now have rest, Sabbath rest if you prefer, from our works. 
We don't have to work for our salvation. We have a Sabbath rest that we enter into. This is what the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 4 verses 9 through 11. Speaking of Christ, he says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. What does that mean? What that means is this. There is a Sabbath rest in Christ. Jesus Christ fulfills the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Here's an illustration that really helped me a lot. Let's say you're in town, Honolulu, and you see a sign. And the sign says, Kaneohe, 13 miles. I actually think there is a sign in closer to the Pali that has Kaneohe, 13 miles. So you're, you're looking at that sign. Now, that sign is there to point you to your final destination, Kaneohe, which we're glad that's your final destination, specifically Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe, at 47525 Kamehameha Highway. But I digress. So now that sign is pointing you to your final destination. Now, when you arrive in Kaneohe, that sign has fulfilled its purpose. It's not done away with, it's still there. It has just fulfilled its purpose to point you to your final destination. And when Jesus came and fulfilled that which, that sign, that Sabbath, that feast, which by the way, interesting word in the original language of the Hebrew, it's the same word in my native tongue of Arabic, the festivals or feasts, the feasts of God that He gave to Israel, the seven feasts. That word in Hebrew, the same in Arabic, is moad. And it basically means point to, or appointed, or appointment. So like in Arabic, if I say to you, basically what I'm saying is, I have an appointment, Moad, with you. So it is a feast, Moad, that points to that which is yet future the final destination, when Jesus Christ came, reached here His destination in His first coming, and He fulfilled every single one of those feasts. Let's just take the first three, just for fun, if you don't mind. (laughs) What are you going to say? I mind? Doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. Bear with me. So you have the feast of Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. That is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what those feasts, those first three of the seven feasts, pointed to Moad and were fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ. The Passover, the Feast of Passover. Every time we celebrate the communion table, we talk about this. So this is the feast, the festival, the Moad, that the Israelites would celebrate 
in the deliverance out of slavery and bondage while in Egypt. They were to take a lamb and they were to inspect that lamb for four days on the 10th of Adar. And for four days they were to inspect that lamb, put that lamb on trial, if you will. And that lamb had to be found without spot or blemish or wrinkle. And if it was found to be without spot or blemish or wrinkle, then they would take that lamb at the ninth hour, the exact hour that Jesus was crucified, and they would slay that lamb. They would slit the throat, break the body, not the bones, the body, and then the blood would be shed from the broken body of that lamb. And then they were to take a hyssop branch, very interesting, and they were to put that hyssop branch, dip it in the blood, put it at the top of the door, the bottom had a basin on the left side of the door and on the right side of the door in the shape of a cross. Generations before the Romans would ever invent the most cruel form of execution known as crucifixion. And if the Israelites had the blood of that innocent lamb shed and spread on the doorposts in the shape of a cross, then the angel of death in that 10th plague would pass over them. A picture pointing to Moad, the person of and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He is our Passover lamb, the unleavened bread, without sin, yeast, the leaven, a type of sin, which is why the bread had to be unleavened. That's the burial. They would bury that bread, hide that bread, actually. It's a very interesting nuance. And then the feast of first fruits is the resurrection when he rose again from the dead on the third day. That's the three feasts. They were shadows. This is why, by the way, we don't celebrate Passover and unleavened bread, and first fruits, and Pentecost, and the Feast of Trumpets, and the Feast of, oh boy, my memory is going to be tested now, Um, and I'm missing tabernacles. Thank you, Lord, I did it. Oh, goodness, I'm not losing it completely. The first four of the feasts were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus Christ, and the last three will be fulfilled at the rapture and the second coming and the kingdom age of Jesus Christ when He rules and reigns. My point, some of you are looking at me like, do you even have a point? I do. My point is this, they're all shadows. They all point to the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. The Sabbath, a Sabbath rest, to rest from your works, points to us resting from our works for our salvation. Jesus fulfilled it. And we enter into Christ, and as such we enter into that Sabbath rest. Well, we still have a problem, right? Because there are those who As Paul writing to the Romans in chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, he says, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. 
whoever regards one day as special, does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat, does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains, does so to the Lord, and give thanks to God. What's Paul saying here? What he's saying here is, in Christ we're free to worship on Saturday or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and even more better, (laughs) we're free to eat all the Kahlua pork we want. In other words, it's not a do or don't. Instead, our works or deeds of righteousness are a get-to, not a got-to. Think, think about this. Think this through with me. We've talked about this before, and I, it's kind of, oh, how do I say it? It's a, this is how my mind works, and, I, and just pray for me, because I know they have clinical terms for this. But I just always think in terms of how does God feel when I say, man, i got to get up early in the morning, and i got to get into the Word and spend time with God. Could you imagine? Those of you, parents, grandparents, what if your kids, your grandkids came up to you and said, I've got to spend time with you. You know what? It's okay. Don't bother. No need. I don't want you to have to spend time with me. I want it to be a want to, not a have to. I want it to be a get to, not a got to. I want it to be that you just cannot wait to spend time with me. You know what legalism says? Legalism says, I have to have works under the law. Whereas faith says, I want to have works under grace. Now here's the question. Okay, it's all of grace. I'm free in Christ. All things are lawful, not all things are profitable, but we always stress the all things are lawful. I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. So I'm going to go watch that movie. Here's a litmus test, for lack of a better way of saying it, that has really helped me in my own walk with the Lord when it comes to all things being lawful, but not all things being profitable. Here's what I ask myself. Will that movie I see, that music I listen to, or that relationship or friendship that I have draw me closer to God, or will it distance me further from God? The Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossian church emphasized that Jesus is God, going against the claims of the false teachers at that time. As followers of Jesus, you're asked to adopt this view as well. Jesus is the only qualified substitution for the punishment of your sins. Because of the authority He holds as God, He took your sins to the cross and then defeated death forever by rising again. If you'd like to know how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, we'd love to tell you more. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of salvation. This is a great way to learn why you need Jesus, how He saves you, and how you can call on His name and be transformed forever. 
When you go through this process, please let us know. We'd love to be praying for you as you begin this relationship with Jesus. Just click on Contact under the About tab and send us a quick note. Links to both are available at our website. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. What a blessing it is to have a family of faith to support you as you grow in Christ. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.